Welcome back to the Redneck Tech Podcast. This is going to be episode 49. Um, this episode, been on the road and doing a couple content pieces, and I've been thinking through what the next podcast needed to be about. And the more and more I think about it, the more and more I feel like there needs to be an emphasis put on storytelling. And I've hit on storytelling before. I've hit on the you know the simplest parts of it, the beginning, the middle, and the end. But I've, I had time to sit down and write out some notes. And so on this one, I'm going to try and go as deep as I can into not only storytelling, but my process and uh you know what what is storytelling you know what are the questions and the check boxes you've got to hit in order to tell a good story so uh this one's just going to be me there's no guests um i think this one's important so uh i hope you enjoy it remember if you like the podcast please go on to itunes give us a good rating if you love us write a review um i'd really appreciate that and uh with that being said, here is episode 49, Storytelling. Right here, right here, right here, right here. Yeah. You want it? Yeah. back in the office got a couple edits that we need to do and you know a lot of times just like most guys when I get into editing I struggle with a lot of things I struggle a lot um if you think I'm one of those guys that's just got it figured out then you would be incorrect so you know I'm I get asked a lot you know what my process is you know, how I go about doing things, what is the, really, I guess my method to the madness, and honestly, all that's kind of in my head, in my organized way, and it's kind of hard for me to, I guess, it's kind of hard for me to express that in a way that it would be helpful to someone, so um, I tried my best um, for this storytelling podcast to sit down and write notes, and I've got three pages of outline notes. Um, I don't know how long this podcast is going to be. It might be really long. It might not be. Um, I'm not 100% sure. I'm actually also trying out a new microphone. Um, I'm not sure how I like it. I'm listening to it in my earphones, and it sounds kind of quiet, which I could bump my levels a little bit, but I can do that in editing. In post, fix it in post. But anyway, um, I wanted to start out by saying storytelling is very subjective. Um, It's going to be, I mean, it's going to be really about who's in the story or what the story's about. And most of the time, more importantly, who's telling that story and from what perspective. So you've got to think about it that way. It's extremely, extremely subjective. And, uh... I want to I want to kind of go through the process that I've formulated that I've tried to put down on paper that would make the most sense about telling a story. And like I've said in the beginning, it, it, it's not this isn't rocket science. A story is very simple to tell. When you tell a story, there's a beginning, 
there's a middle and an end. I know you've told a story to a friend of yours. Think about your favorite hunting story. Think about your one of the best times you ever had with one of your friends or a, 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 a ball game back in the day. Think about how you tell that story to someone. There's a beginning of that story. There's a middle of that story where you're building up. Then there's a culmination of some point. And you end it. Think about that. And then think about how that plays out in your mind. What are, what are the things that you see when you're telling that story to someone? Okay? I see those things in my mind. Now, how do I portray those onto a video camera? And then, really, all you do is translate that into practice. So, with that being said, I'm trying to break it down in the simplest form of beginning, middle, and end. Um, before you even do that... You have to determine a couple things. You have to say, you have to know your audience or your viewer. Um, before you can even start talking about the beginning and the middle and the end, who is watching this? Who's going to be the end consumer of this content? Is it anybody who can get to watch it? Is it a specific company's product video? Is it a specific product that is going to be marketed to a certain demographic of people? Is this a family video? Is this not a family video? Um, you know, what age group are you going after? What demographic? What location? What time of year is it? You know, all these things are going to come into play when you're talking about storytelling and when you're talking about how to tell the story correctly. There's a lot of factors that have to be hashed out before you ever roll the first frame. By knowing your audience, the next thing you have to know is how do you want this story perceived? Do you want this story perceived happily? Do you want it to be sad? Do you want somebody to be mad? Do you want it to be epic? Do you want it to be exciting? Do you want it to be informative? Do you want someone to learn? Um, that's another question you've got to answer. What is the goal of this story? Once you know your audience, once you know how you want your audience to perceive it, then the next question you probably need to answer is how long or short is going to best represent this story? And some things need to be short. Sometimes, you know, I can. there's some really great short stories that I've done that, like a recent Rambo videos that are extremely short. You know, they're one minute, one and a half minutes. Some are long. Look, watch a you know, watch a movie. Like think about like the Lord of the Rings story. How long that is? Um, how long is too long? How short is too short? Really, the easiest way to answer that is: Does it tell the whole story? Does it tell the story that it needs to tell? Does it tell more than it needs to tell? Does it tell enough? And really, only you can answer that. And uh, if you can't answer that then your audience will answer it for you whether or not it was too long or too short. One thing I always do, or when I, I used to work at Sub7, is I would always get, always get into editing. And I would have somebody come in and watch my edits. Most of the time it was Chance. And he would watch through an edit. He would never say anything the first pass. And then he would say, all right, start it over again. And then I'd start it over again, and he'd say, okay, I'm getting bored right here. And I'd say, why? And he would say, it's slow or... I've seen two shots that are similar to that, or I need some, I think somebody needs to be talking here, or whatever the case may be. So it's really good to have a second set of eyes to watch something 
when you're going through that process and be open to their, be open to what they're trying to tell you. Be open to constructive criticism. So we know who's watching it. We know how we want it perceived and we know how long it needs to be. So now we're going to get into the story or my story process. And my story process starts with pre-production. And I've talked about pre-production before. I've even fairly certain I've done a podcast about pre-production. But really pre-production is now I've got to sit down and I've got to answer more questions. So I've got my parameters of what I've got to work within. Now I've got to ask, now I've honestly got a couple administrative questions I've got to ask. How much time do I have to tell this story? Like as far as like how much time do I have to shoot it? A day, a week, a month? Can I kind of be flexible on that that's going to determine how in-depth you can get on the story um what's the budget that's a big one you know what's the budget for this story and then um then you've got to go do some legwork uh you've got to go scout the location you know you've got to talk you got to find out who's the talent you know sometimes the talent's not anybody at all sometimes the talent might be a dog you know i've done videos with dogs before and that's your talent you know, and then what's your talent good at and what are they not good at? And then how do you compensate for what the talent's not good at? Well, obviously a dog cannot talk. So how do we, how do we best tell that story? Well, it might be voiceover. You might have to have somebody interpreting for the dog. You might have to um, do a little bit better job, spend a little more money and get some really good music. You might have to, you might have to, you know, rethink this whole thing. But I'm just I'm just throwing out examples. If these seem off the wall, I'm sorry. But this is this is these are the things that you've got to think about when you go into telling a story. And once I've done that legwork of scouting location, you know, figuring out my talent, you know, what they're good at, what they're not good at, and then um, I already know the theme or the video of the project. And now I kind of want to say, you know, what kind of what story am I trying to tell? Are you trying to tell a story of? A product, a place, an animal, um, a location. Uh, so we're answering questions. Once we've got all our questions answered, we know what it is, who it is, where it is, all that good stuff. We've got all these boxes checked. And not only have we got all these boxes checked, our client has checked off these boxes too because we want to make sure we're doing what our client wants. And then this is something just for you then you're checking the boxes off as you go anyway, so you already know. But this is this is an important process to, to, to do. You've got to go through and answer these questions. Otherwise, there's a lot of willy-nilly, let's kind of fake it till we make it. And sometimes those turn out excellent. I've had some fake it till you make it turn out really good, and I've had some fake it till you make it turn out really crappy. I think it's worthwhile to sit down, write out these bullet points, and answer the questions. The who, what, when, where, why, weather, perception, audience, all that good stuff. All right. Now, how do we introduce the story? We go right back to the basics. The who, what, when, where, why. First is the where. Where are we? Once we've answered the where, what are we doing? Okay, so I'm, 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 I'm just making, I'm asking questions again. So now you've got to think about, okay, where is this story taking place? And I'm just gonna make up a I'm gonna make up a, a scenario that I've had recently to be able to show you how I've told the story. 
like the, the for instance, the Rambo video I just did. Where are we? The first scene of the first shot is me pulling a bike off a rack, and it says Southeast Oklahoma. I can show that. I can say that. And I actually do think I say it as well. But I establish early on where we are. And then the next thing is, what are we doing? And I talk about it in an interview. Um, we're going after a, uh, a mature deer. It's uh, the weather's doing this, blah, 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 blah. And this is the simplest form of it, guys. Just a, this isn't any, you know, over the top epic, big, you know, film that's going to be played at the film festivals. This is the absolute bare bones of a simple story. But once you understand the simplicity of it, you can make it bigger and bigger and bigger. So I've answered those questions on camera and with shots that show what time of year it is, the wind blowing, the temperature, you know, by the clothes I'm wearing. A lot of these things are inferred, but if I don't have shots to show them, the audience says, no, you have to assume your audience is stupid. All right, where are we? What are we doing? Who are we with? I'm by myself. You can tell I'm by myself. Why are we here? We just answered that. We're going hunting. We're hunting a mature deer in Oklahoma. What's the weather? You see how much clothes I have on. I talk about the temperature dropping with the north wind. All of those things. I answer all of these questions with like a two-sentence uh, two interview. That sounds simple. But I just checked a lot of boxes with a two-sentence interview. Um, I actually wish I had the had a way to play that video for you over this podcast and I could show you exactly how that answers the questions. Another thing is how do you introduce the characters? And on in terms of what I was doing with the Rambo is I introduce the character, which is myself, um, just by, you know, I show up and I start answering questions. You don't really know the character. This isn't, like I said, this is a simple story. But, uh, there's also you know, introducing a character is not necessarily complicated, but you've got to think of you know how much or how little do we need need to introduce this character. Sorry, guys, technical difficulties. Um, anyway, we we're talking about characters. Uh, I had to switch my mics. The other one was a little too short for me sitting at the table, so I actually switched back to my old ones. And these are definitely a little bit louder in my ears, too. So, anyway, we're introducing the characters. And sometimes that can be as simple as the characters showing up, saying who they are and where, they, where they're going, what they're doing. And um, that sounds extremely simple. But, you know, think about what you're doing. You're, you're filming a hunt. You're producing a hunting show. You're you know, producing a web series. That's really all you need. You don't, you know, you don't have to get, this isn't a full-length feature film where we have to do character development. We want to introduce the character, sometimes as simple as putting a lower third with somebody's name and their occupation or their Instagram handle or something like that. That's going to introduce your character. Um, and another really good way if you want to develop that character is you've got to think about, if you were a fly on the wall, what could you learn about a person that you're filming? And I'll use myself as an example. If there was a fly in my life that followed me around or in my office right now, they would be able to tell you a couple of things. 
probably be able to tell you that I love and enjoy my job, what I do. I'm passionate about the outdoors and my family. Um, I'm constantly trying to learn. I eat way too much, and I sit behind I sit behind a computer way too much. So, you know, how can you show those things? How can you tell that story? What way can you take simple video clips, simple video shots, and show those things? It's not rocket science. But in getting those shots, then you've got to be creative in how you get those shots. That's what sets you apart. Not only is the storytelling, but then you've got to get creative with it. So, you you can infer a lot about somebody just by seeing or watching them in their element. And, uh, and a lot of times you can learn somebody about somebody when they're not in their element. You can learn the most about them when they're in, not in their element. And I say that you can find out the best and the worst in people when you talk about or interfere with their hunting. And uh, I've learned that one the hard way a couple of times. Is you start messing with somebody's hunting, man. That's when you can, you can really find out what somebody's made of, how important other things are to them or how important that hunting is to them, whether or not it's, uh, whether or not it's worth keeping a friendship or not. But anyway, um, be that fly on the wall and figure out what that fly would see and how you can take what that fly would see to tell the story of who that person is. And that's also in the storytelling too. You can be that fly and observe certain things. You can observe simple, small, sometimes beautiful things that in one shot can tell an extremely, an immense amount about what you're trying to show, what you're trying to, um, you know, what you're trying to show to your audience. One simple shot can tell you so many things. Um, that Like that establishing shot, that can show you where you're at, um, what time of day it is, what the temperature is, you know, what people are wearing when they're going into the house. One shot can tell you, can answer a lot of questions. So that's why I put so much emphasis on telling guys to make sure you're getting those establishing shots. Make sure you're getting those transition shots. Those things help so much to telling a good story. Now, once you get into a groove and you've started to film maybe a series or you're working with the same people a lot and you're trying to tell stories or some of these stories take a long time to develop. Like you're hunting an entire season trying to hunt a particular deer or you've got a group of friends that are hunting you know, the whole season trying to kill a deer and you're filming that and you're trying to tell that story. Well, another really good thing that's going to help is knowing those characters. You know, when you're with your buddies, you know those guys. You know what makes them tick. You know what gets them going. So when when you know those things, you have to take advantage of those. You have insider information. So I'm going to use Chuck as an example. Chuck Balmore is somebody I've filmed probably more than anybody. I've spent working on four years filming Chuck. And uh, he's one of the hosts of The Habit, which was my baby for three years when I was a sub-seven. And um, I filmed him a lot. And I didn't know him well until I started filming him, but I learned a lot about him. And I learned how to bring out the best in him. And I also found out what is the worst in him when it comes to creating good content and bringing across a character on camera that is 
extremely relatable. And that's why people love Chuck is because everybody has someone in their life like him. I learned that he is he's hilarious, but he is absolutely more hilarious when he is with his friends and you can put other people around him that he knows and are comfortable with, like John and JP. All you have to do is put him in a group of people and start giving him what to talk about and he'll run with it and he'll make it better than what's in your head. You give him an idea and he's going to make it better. And I learned that about him early on and we use that to our advantage. We use that to tell that story through him, uh, whatever that might be. Uh, another thing I learned about him is he would rather hunt than eat. And that's saying a lot. Um, he uh, absolutely adores hunting anything, anywhere, anytime, as much as he can. And that makes it good for the audience, but it makes it hard for producer because he enjoys the hunting so much. He takes it so seriously, certain things. He takes certain parts of hunting. Like, he doesn't enjoy the whitetail hunting as much because it's really, you know, he's sitting there and he's not getting to move around and be as social. Um, that's why he loves duck hunting and bow fishing because they're a lot more social. They're a lot more interactive. You're not sitting still. You're usually not cold. That kind of thing. Well, duck hunting, you can't be. But he loved, he loved doing those things. But what I learned is he was better on camera in the hunting woods, I think, and doing the th in like the turkey woods because those weren't his first loves, and that's not what he loves to do the most in the hunting world. But he doesn't have as much pressure on himself to do well and to exceed and to be over the top when he's hunting um, deer or turkeys. But when he's duck hunting, he takes it so seriously. He's no longer fun, Chuck. He is. He's not fun, Chuck. That's, I guess that's the best way to do it. And, you know, by learning that, you know, I tried to avoid doing waterfowl stuff. I tried to, I mean, bow fishing is a little different, but waterfowl stuff, not only do I hate doing it, but I felt like it didn't bring out the best in his personality. Just because he took it so seriously, I felt like it took away from what we were trying to accomplish. And that be the happy-go-lucky, have a good time, cut up with your friends in camp. I think he did better... I think he did better by himself in a tree stand than he did when we would go on duck hunts because when the duck hunts weren't going awesome, he wasn't going awesome. Um, whereas when a deer hunt wasn't going awesome, he could always find a way to lighten the mood. He could always find a way to add value to the story. And I knew that about him, so that would help me. Um, he isn't afraid to be himself and put himself out there on camera, which is extremely hard to find. And when you have someone that's like that, that's why we always got so much dialogue. Because I was constantly asking him, hey, what are we doing? Where are we going? You know, how you know how did that encounter happen? You know, why is it slow? What was the deer we just saw? Whatever question I could ask him to get dialogue, we were constantly, constantly talking about it. Because when you're on a hunt with somebody, you're constantly talking and, and working through it. And, and, you know, you're working as a team and the best way to do best way to tell that story is to ask a lot of questions and then when you ask those questions and you get those answers that you're looking for or you don't get the answers you're looking for as a producer you have to get those answers hey i like what you said about the deer coming into our right but i want to make sure you say he came into our right and he was about to get in our wind so we were kind of getting a little nervous you know that's really what i wanted the answer to say and then get your you know get your person to say that you know we we want to make sure we're doing the best representation of telling the story 
like it happened. We want to make sure we capture as much raw motion as we can and not have to recreate those things. Now, sometimes that's hard to do. But as a producer, and I, we talked about this in the last podcast, you've got to keep your head screwed on straight and make sure you're picking up those minute details that are going to be adding to the story because most of the time your hunter's not. So once you have those minute details that you that you've observed, now you can take those and you can add the value by saying, hey, while this was happening, you did this. Can we talk about that? Or can we recreate that? And get those shots that are going to add value to the story. Um, another great thing that Chuck could do is he was he could be vulnerable. You know, he could put himself out there and be okay with it. Um, he could make jokes. He could take jokes. Um, and another thing I loved and, and had to really... Like I said, just said, keep my head screwed on straight. When an animal would come in, Chuck's excitement was never faked. He was always freaking out, and that was good. You know, he would, he was always very emotional when animals would come in. But a lot of times, you had to talk him off a cliff. You had to really say, "Look, dude, you know, we're gonna get this done. Chill out. It's gonna be okay." Um, but that would be so good for me because I knew when an animal come in is if I can get a, sh- a camera on Chuck, we're going to get some good stuff. So knowing that character is extremely important. Once I knew all these time, all these things with him and I spent time with him, I knew how to get the most out of him on camera. You know, I could get that great dialogue. Um, I would always get him to set up the other guys. Like if there were other people in camp that weren't normally with us that maybe not as good on camera or not as good talking, I always knew I could get Chuck to set up conversations. I could say, hey man, get so-and-so talking about this. And then I could get him to start that conversation. He was always good about getting somebody to talk and start that conversation and run with it. And by knowing my character, knowing the story I'm trying to tell, I can drive that story where I want it to go. He was very good at giving me sound bites on the hunts that keeps the viewer updated about how things are going, where we're at in the hunt, how long this is going to take, you know, where the deer are, where the ducks are, you know, the turkeys, the fish, whatever. Um, and once you have that person or that group that you have, that you're familiar with and you have that trust, which is extremely important, having trust in the group, once you have that, then you can really push each other to tell that best story. You can really go beyond what you think or what you're normally doing because now that you know each other and you have that comfort with one another, you can absolutely you can absolutely kill it now because you can take the extra time to get those shots. You can go in early, you can come out late, you can do all the things that it takes to tell a great story. I mean it's 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 as simple as that. It's, it's having that having those people and having that camaraderie, having that trust adds so much value to storytelling. All right, now we're going to talk about transitions. How do you get from one place to another, which is the transition shot? You know, we're hunting in one state, and then we're leaving there, and we're going to another state. First of all, when we're going to show that, we've got to make sure that that's relevant, that we're leaving one place and going to another. Most of the time it is. Sometimes it's going from one stand to another stand. Sometimes it's going from the house to the tree stand. You know, how do we, what shot can I show that gets me from one place to another? Sometimes that's literally as simple as a truck driving down the road. Sometimes that's simple as um, a a map graphic. Sometimes that's as simple as an interview in the truck that says, 
you know, we, we, we're in a rush. We've got to get to the deer stand. You know, we're running late. And you show a clock, them saying that, the truck down, down, the truck down, down the road, those three shots, I've just taken you from the house to the tree stand in three shots with the, the dialogue. You've got to, from to, you've always got to be able to get from one place to another. And another thing I love to do for transitions is if you don't get transitions for every single thing that you do, then you've got to go and use your tools like your drone, like your slider, like your time lapse or your second angle cameras to create generic transition shots. I like to take verbs or second angle cameras and point, put them on the truck that are like looking down at the tires, drive down the road. Well, that can be used for anything to get from one place to another. You can get shots of you know, trucks driving or four-wheelers or ATVs or walking in the woods with a drone. Well, that gets me from one place to the other. You can even just have a big, wide establishing shot of camp with your drone. That gets me into camp or that gets me away from camp. Just that one simple shot. So, And having those that are generic enough to where they're not tied to a specific location. When I say tied to a specific location... If you're doing a drone shot in Georgia, in the Pines, that's not going to work for a western elk hunt. So you've got to make sure when you're getting shots that they're not only area-specific, but they're not going to be tied to something specific. Like a lot of times with a habit, we had the habit truck. So if we had shots with a truck in it, but we didn't have that truck on that shoot or that location, I couldn't use those things. So I always like to get shots that didn't have anything in them that would tie me to a specific location or to a specific hunt. And I also would shoot ones that were specific because that, that adds value to the story as well. But I like to have lots of generic ones and I have a library of them that I keep for when I might not get that shot. I, uh, I have that library that will help me get from one place to another. And I have them Western, I have them you know, Midwestern, I have them southeast i have snow i have no snow you know all those good things and then i always try to add to that when i uh when i'm on a shoot so that's a really good way to transition another good way is um an interview or a voiceover um you can use those things to transition you from one place to another or one thing to another is you can say it in an interview or you can have a voiceover artist say you know now we're going to you know, now we're leaving Georgia turkey hunting, we're going to Alabama, or whatever the case may be. There's there's so many ways to do this to transition to tell a story. It's not rocket science, it's simple. My favorite way to do this, though, is in the field, is showing that guy walking to the stand or leaving the stand, showing him, you know, getting in and out of the buggy to go turkey hunting or whatever the case may be. I would rather have it in the field than rely on interviews or voiceover, but... We're never perfect, and we don't ever always get everything that we need. So that is just another way to uh, to get that shot. Yeah, uh, you know, another couple, another simple ways of showing transitions is you know getting out and pumping gas if you are on a long road trip. Uh, well, that automatically says that you know we're we've put on some miles. Getting out and get shots of the new, the new state sign that you're going by. You know, if you're driving to Iowa from Georgia and you get out and you get a couple state signs as you're going and you, you know, kind of montage those together, that shows that we're moving along. You can get graphics. You can time-lapse cars going by. You can time-lapse while you're in the car to show time moving. You can show the clock. You can, um, you can show buying the license. You can 
do all those things. But like I said, my favorite way is just to tell me, you know, while you're in that tree stand, while you're in the, you know, the duck blind, while you're in the, you know, the base of the tree turkey hunting, tell me where we're at, what we're doing, who, what, when, where, wine, weather, all the time. It is extremely important. Um, moving from one hunter in one camp to another hunter in another camp. Easiest way to do this is establishing shots. And what I mean by this is, like I said, if you've got multiple guys, multiple hunters, and you might be hunting in multiple places, like you've got one set of guys hunting in Georgia, another set of guys hunting in Tennessee. Okay, well, if I'm trying to edit that together to where I'm showing somebody hunting in Georgia and somebody hunting in Tennessee at the same time, how do I transition? Well, another really simple way is to show that big wide establishing shot of that camp and having the Tennessee logo there or the Georgia you know, graphic there. Well, just showing that one shot, then hearing the talking from the next guy coming underneath that shot, that's automatically going to subconsciously get me there. It's easy. Um, get shots of the second hunter in camp um, and the wide shot, uh, or get a wide shot of that second hunter in camp kind of an ending shot the ending of a conversation that has a long tail on the end of it then you can hear that other hunter start talking underneath the end of the tail of that video and that automatically without any transition shots just that overlap in video and audio will get me from one place to another and that's kind of a that's kind of an editing trick and that, that might not make sense to you I'm trying to make as much sense of it as I can but that's another really simple way to get from one place to another is in editing and like I said, you can do the same thing in interviews. You can do the same thing with voiceover. But telling that story in the field, getting those establishing shots and those transition shots, that's what's important to me. Telling it in the field. Telling the story in the field, in my opinion, again, the best way to do it. This gives you the option of not needing interviews or voiceover. In my opinion, the only time you need to use interviews or voiceover is if they're absolutely necessary and they improve the story somehow. And I'm going to use the example of the habit again to where we did have interviews in the show. They were simple, rapid-fire interviews, usually one-liners. Sometimes they were one-word um, interviews. But the reason we had those is the guys were really good at them, and it added to the story. We shot that show in a way where you did not have to have interviews at all. I shoot this, the show The Chronicles with Brian Stevens that airs on uh, Scalic Weather's app and on their website. That show has no interviews. We shoot that story all in the field, all transitions, all establishing shots to where I don't ever need interviews. There's been a couple of times that I think interviews could have helped or added, but we made it a conscious effort to not use interviews in the show. It helps move the story along. It helps keep the pace up, which you can use interviews to really speed a show up, like The Habit. The Habit was extremely fast, but you can do it without them, I promise. Like I said, you've got to assume, if you assume your viewer is dumb and you have to answer all the questions all the time, then you're going to have everything you need to tell a good story. I don't mean this bad to assume, you just got to assume that your, your viewer doesn't know certain things and we must tell them, better yet, show them, you know, what those, what the, what the situations are, the weather, the, the place, the people, you know, we got to show them these things. You don't necessarily have to tell them in an interview. Show them. If you can, I would rather you show me three clips 
that told me what you could tell me in three sentences, if that makes sense. I would rather you go get shots that are going to represent the story that you're telling and the place that you are than sit down in an interview or a voiceover, like every film I've ever seen in the hunting world, where a voiceover artist just starts talking to pretty music and pretty shots. It just drives me insane. And this is going to be a little harsh for some people. I just feel like voiceover is lazy. And that's the only way that films in the outdoor space know how to tell a story. Um, it's clean. And it's like ominous and epic feeling. But in my opinion, it's very lazy. I would rather you do interviews and voiceover if you have to if, if you have to do that. And a lot of guys that have, um, like, they're trying to do web shows and they have some production they're going to have to do interviews because they're going to have a bunch of guys that aren't going to be maybe as savvy with a camera as they are. But if you're not as savvy with a camera as you would like to be, or you have guys in your group that aren't as savvy with the cameras they need to be, then you need to get together and kind of do a, a camera school every year. Walk through a scenario. Walk through every bit of it to where it makes sense. Because a lot of guys, you can tell them, like in this podcast form, you can talk about it and talk about it and talk about it. But until somebody sees it, or you break down a show for them, they won't get it. I think it's really important to take the time to to do that. And uh, I am working on dates for a camera school, by the way. I'm still working on it. It's going to probably be in March, early March. So it won't be in turkey season and it won't be in uh, deer season. So just kind of pencil me in beginning of March if you're interested. Um. Interviews are avoided because they take a lot of time and effort to shoot and edit, for me. Um, it takes a lot of extra time. It takes a lot of extra time to shoot. It takes a lot of extra time to edit and to put into the story. So that's why I like to shoot things that don't need interviews. It makes my life a lot easier, and it makes it cheaper for the client, too. So think about it that way. Another thing that's bad about interviews is a lot of people are horrible at interviews. I filmed some interviews that are painstaking to watch and to try and drag out what you want out of that person. There are very, very, very few people that you put in front of a camera and ask them to talk about a certain thing or ask them to say a certain line that they can just nail it every time. It is a very rare thing. So just remember that too, that you might want to shoot interviews to add to your production, but more times than not, with with a really bad interviewer, it's going to take away from it. So, a uh, couple, couple thoughts about interviews. When you're shooting interviews, don't let your interviewee ramble and ramble and ramble. Some good kind of rules of thumb are make sure when they're talking that they have good stops. And when I say good stops is when someone's talking... And they sound like they're just going to keep on talking until the end of time. And they never actually finish their sentences. And they sound like they're just going to continue to talk forever and never, ever finish their sentences. Yeah, it's a lot of guys, what they're doing when they're doing that is they're trying to think about the next thing they're going to say. And they're trying to formulate the sentence while they're talking. And all it does is create this incredibly either really really long sentence or they never have a punctuation you have to enunciate when you're doing interviews you have to have a period and then you have to have good places for an editor to edit 
you've got to shut up at some point. Um, I always tell guys like when they give me a, they'll give me a good line, but they won't end it. You have to end your sentences. It's just like in the story, a beginning and middle and end. The story has a big, or a sentence has a beginning and middle and end. You have to put a period on the end of it, and then you have to enunciate the ending of that sentence. Because if it sounds like you're just going to continue to talk in Never Neverland in editing, it looks like crap. And it sounds like crap. So you have to finish those sentences. Another thing is keep it short and with and concise in interviews. You don't want to run on for two or three sentences. I think I just said that. No ums or ahs. I'm terrible about this, but I'm also not an on-camera person. So when you're doing interviews, listen for somebody giving you the ums and the ahs. Also think about eye contact, posture, mood, and pace. You know, make sure guys aren't trying to be too, you know, trying to get the words out really fast and talk blah, 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 and trying to talk really fast. You know, you being the producer behind the camera, you've got to calm that guy down. You've got to walk him through those things. Sometimes you have to really hold their hand. There's been a lot of times I've had to hold guys' hands through interviews. So just think about that when you're doing interviews. Oh, sorry, my phone's ringing. Um, so how do you how do you tell it in the field? Like I said a minute ago, easiest way is to talk to the camera constantly. If you're repeating yourself, there might be a better version. If you're moving, tell me why. If it's raining, tell me it's raining. If it's foggy, tell me it's foggy. It's literally that simple. All the time, tell me, tell me, tell me. You know, repeat it. Tell me again. Tell me better. Tell me longer. Tell me shorter. Um, I mean, literally tell the camera what's going on all the time. Watch any good show that has a good pace with good characters and storylines. They're always talking. They're always providing information. Go and watch Meat Eater on Netflix. It's probably the best storytelling show there is out there for Hunting World. And they are talking in that show. All they do is produce segments about talking. And they produce conversations. And they give you information. They tell you what's going on. They give you updates constantly. And I bet that is the... I bet that is a fraction of the talking they actually get on those shows. So, talk, 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 talk. And you can do it to where you feel like you'll never use it. But the great thing is, that's why we edit. You don't have to use it. Never have dead air without talking or supporting ambient audio for the situation. Don't ever have a place or a time when you're filming to where there's there's no audio. You know, if it's... If it's something to where you can go out, and a lot of times guys call it room tone or ambience. I like to go out with my Zoom recorder, which I'm talking on right now, and I'll go get different sounds of just being outside at different times, whether that's raining, whether that's snowing, whether that's um, spring, summer, fall. Go out and get you know a five-minute clip of what it sounds like to be in the woods because you'll use that you know when you need that ambient audio to maybe cover up bad ambient, bad ambient audio. And a lot of times you can get it while you're in the tree stand. Just while you're sitting there and being quiet, just hit record. You know, I'll even, you know, talk into my shotgun mic. I'll like whisper it and be like, ambient audio. And I'll hit record and roll for a couple minutes. And now I have that clip to where anytime during the course of that hunt, if I need to cover up audio or fix a bad sound to audio, I have the ambient audio I can pull in and, you know, place there. So I do that a lot. Um, when I'm filming or filming a hunt or a project, I want the camera 
to be told all the you know all the moves and the grooves. Not only the viewer, but also it helps me in editing uh, to be told again in order to refresh my mind. So not only are you helping the viewer by talking to the camera all the time, but a lot of times in editing, especially if you didn't shoot it, um, if you have a bunch of guys out there filming and they're filming each other and then sending you video, if they're telling the camera constantly all the time what's going on, well, it helps you as an editor keep up with what's going on. You know, you might not understand if you go from day three to day six in the video and they might not have hunted for four, you know, day four and day five, they might have had to go to work, but they didn't tell you that. Well, you, your video goes from day four to day six and they didn't tell you they took two days off or they had to work or whatever in the video. Well, then you're like calling them like, where's day four and day five? You know, that kind of stuff. So constantly telling the viewer and, and the editor what's going on makes life a lot easier. Um, and also it really helps because a lot of times we can't remember what happened 37 hunts ago. You know, you've been hunting for a whole fall and you send a drive-in and now we've got to make sense of it. Well, if you've talked and gave me a great interview or a great closing interview and dialogue every set, well, now I have a really good painted picture of what's been going on. It's common sense. So once I once I get all that relevant inf information told to Lens, I need all the pieces of video to support that. So once we've told everything to the camera, once we have, you know, informed our dumb viewer what they're watching. Well, now I have to get all the supporting footage for everything that's been said. We talk about it's raining. I need a shot that represents it's raining. Now, when you get this shot, don't just get a shot of rain. Be creative, you know, whether that's getting it in high speed, whether that's getting a macro shot of rain on a leaf, whether that's um, time-lapsing the rain coming through. You know, you get somebody that says, that they say audibly, oh, man, it has been a long day, and that's all they say. How can I visually represent it being a long day? Think about it. Be creative. Man, the hunting's slow. Okay, how do I show the hunting is slow? We saw a shooter. Show me. If you can't explain why you don't see the shooter, explain why. If if you can't if if you can't get footage of the video or of the deer, but you tell me, tell me why we didn't get it. Your viewer's stupid, man. You gotta remember. Supporting B-roll is as important as telling the good story. The supporting shots are what help push the story along. Those are what hide edits. Those are what slow the story down, speed the story up, and it just makes life so much easier. So if it's audibly said, you've got to have video to represent it. This takes some time, and it means you have to pay attention. But in order to be a producer, you have to listen, and you have to be familiar with your gear and know your camera and be creative. So you've got to be listening, get all that information, and then once you have all the information, you know the shots you need to get, be creative with those shots. If you're worrying about your gear, if you're worrying about your settings, then you'll never be able to produce. Whew. Wow. That was a lot of talking. I uh, just got to the end of my notes, and uh, I just... I don't know. I just this storytelling thing is to me, to me it's so simple, but I know it's not. I know a lot of guys feel like they watch a really good show and they could never do it. They absolutely can because I've I've done I've got some edits and some stories that I'm really really proud of. Um, did I put any more effort into those 
than others. Not really. It's just a lot of things lined up well. Um, I had good, I had really good help. I had really good talent. Um, we had good hunts. We had good animals. We had all the things lined up, and I did what I was supposed to do. I did my job. I got the beginning, the middle, the end. I informed my audience. I answered the questions, who, what, when, where, why. I got those establishing shots. I got those transition shots. And I told a good story. And I was creative in the middle of it. Literally, that's what it boils down to. It's not hard, you know. And and while you're doing that, you know, you've got to be able to convey emotion. While you're showing these shots, while you're telling that story, you've got to, you know, convey emotion. How can you convey good emotion? You do it with really tight shots of eyes. You do it with big, wide expanses. You do it with different angles, low and high. You know, what do those angles tell me? You can use lighting. You can use, you know, really harsh backlight to, you know, to convey a certain feeling. You, you know, use those to be creative. You use speed. You can use, um, you know, high-speed shots. You can use time lapses. You can use drone. You can... Um, a lot of times, and a lot of times with emotion, it's with the tempo and with the music and how you're editing to that music and to that tempo. Um, there's a there's a lot to there's a lot of things you can do to convey that emotion to tell that story. But like I said a hundred thousand times, and I'll continue to say it, it's really freaking simple. Who, what, when, where, why, whether, beginning, middle, end, establishing shots, transition shots. Get those shots, do the basics, fill in the gaps, and be creative. And I promise you, you'll be happy with the end result. And all you'll do is get better and better and better and better. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, I'm going to work on those dates for the camera school, like I said. It's going to be sometime early March. If you're interested, email us, redneckteckpodcast at gmail.com and the Instagram handles at Redneck Tech Podcast, which if you're listening, you probably found this through Instagram. If, like I said in the beginning, if you enjoy the podcast, give us five stars on iTunes. If you love it, write a review. I would greatly appreciate it, guys. And if you have certain things you want to hear about, if you have certain things you want me to talk about, let me know. I mean, that's what we're here for is to learn from each other. Um, I learn from you guys every day. I've met so many people through the podcast. I couldn't be more thankful for it. Um, you know, just, I don't know, keep on keeping on, guys. i got a couple more hunts this fall, going to Kansas on the 5th, and um, getting ready for ATA show and all that good stuff. So, if you need anything, holler, guys. Appreciate it. Oh.